Pushkin. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong. Radiant. Timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is Solvable. I'm Ronald Young Jr., I'm Sam Fragoso, host of Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso. What if we called our parents more, our friends, had better, more full-hearted conversations, the kinds we always say we don't have time for or are just too busy to have? Listeners, tis the season for problem solving. I mean, at Solvable, we're always steeped in it. But this is the time of year that the rest of America takes a few extra minutes to look carefully at their lives, then set goals, carve out resolutions, make fresh intentions for a better life. Hi, I'm Tim Harford. I'm the host of Cautionary Tales. The problem I'd like to see solved is creating more beautiful, lively, walkable neighbourhoods. If we could solve this problem, that would be good for mental health, it would be good for the economy, good for jobs, good for the planet. There's so many ways in which this is a problem worth solving, and it seems like it shouldn't be such a hard problem. We think some problems really should not be too hard to solve. And I usually bring someone with a wealth of knowledge and a roadmap to tell us how. But we have a special episode today, a chance to peer behind the curtain with the team that makes Solvable possible each week. I've invited my colleagues to sit down and talk about the things we'd like to see solved. We'll also hear from some other Pushkin podcast hosts about problems they'd like to see solved. And as you're listening, if you think of something you'd like us to solve, tweet us at PushkinPods using the hashtag solvable. Here we go. Hello, team. Why don't we uh, go around the table and introduce ourselves so that everyone knows what voice matches to what role? I'm Sasha. I am the managing producer of Solvable, and I am coming at you hot from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Jocelyn, senior producer of Solvable, and I'm joining this chat from Minneapolis. I'm David. I do research for the show, and I'm at my parents' house in Connecticut for the holiday. 
look at us. Uh, I guess I didn't say I'm in Alexandria, Virginia, but uh, here we all are. And I'm so glad that you guys get to join me on mic today. Welcome. On What's mic. up, Ronald? Hey. Happy to be here. All right. So I assembled you all because I wanted to talk a little bit about problems that we want to see solved next year. I, I know we guys, we work on this show and we talk to a lot of luminaries, but we don't ever really get to talk to each other about problems. And I don't know about y'all, but do you guys feel like you guys think more about problems uh, differently since working on the show? I, For sure. I totally do. Yeah, definitely more optimistically. I feel like I hear about a problem and I'm like, oh, someone's probably going to figure this one out. It's no biggie. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll have them on the show, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) I think it just makes me like, forces me to think more specifically. Like you have to do something, you know? So I like that our researchers bringing it back to the ground for us. We're like, yeah, it all gets done. And he's like, actually, I have to work hard to find the people who do this in a practical way. You guys take it for granted. He's like, this takes effort. <laughs> so what we did was we uh, each of us, I asked you to come with a problem that you'd like to see solved in the next year or in any time in the future, big or small, doesn't matter. David, let's start with you. What problem would you like to see solved? We talk a lot about like serious issues, so I figured I'd talk about something with with lower stakes, I guess. Right now, there's a global graphics card shortage. Um, mm. Wow. It's mainly driven by COVID, but like personal computer PC part components all around the world are really hard to come by right now. And as you guys know, I, I love video games and I play a lot of PC games and I like I like building computers when I need to, you know, every few every few years, but um, and I, I'd been saving up money for a long time, and I was really looking forward to my next build. But uh, when the pandemic started, it became almost impossible to buy graphics cards, which is the most important part of your computer, um, if, if you like gaming, because, I mean, that's what renders everything. That's what makes everything look beautiful. That's where a lot of its visual processing power comes from. And there's just a huge global shortage right now. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean... It's sort of just like a classic supply chain issue and manufacturing issue, but it's also a little more complicated. There are a lot of bots that people have made because everyone knows that these things are in demand and hard to get. So like all these like, you know, ingenious teenage trolls have like set up these automated bots that will buy up all of NVIDIA's cards in like seconds and nobody can get them. And then there's this whole push during the pandemic of crypto mining. So a lot of people have been mining Bitcoin during the pandemic, and that's when uh, that's where graphics cards are super useful. And so those people, I think, are botting as well to buy everything. And so if you're just like a normal dude, like, what else am I supposed to do during lockdown? Like, I, I need to play my video games, all right? So it, it's hard. It's just hard to buy graphics cards right now. And I, I wish someone would fix that. <laughs> David, are you optimistic that they'll fix the supply chain issues? Or do you think that somebody will come up with some other method to replace the video card as we know it now? Like, how do you think, what direction do you think they'll take it to solve it? Mm. I think in 2022, I think they've had a whole year, you know, 2021 to kind Mm -hmm. of wrap their heads around what the logistical problems are. I think in 2022, they will fix like the, the, the supply chain problem that they're having. Like they've been, I think a lot of companies that make graphics cards are like investing in, I don't know, in their plants in ways that make it more, that they can meet demand. I wish they would solve more like the botting problem. And some of them have tried. Mm. Some of them have, uh, you know, NVIDIA releases a new graphics card or whatever. They'll only sell it at Best Buy in like the brick and mortar retail store and people wow. will like camp out or whatever. But that doesn't really work because you can only provide like X number of graphics cards. And 
I don't have a tent, so I, and I'm not going to to sleep out for a freaking you know computer card, or whatever. I'm not like one of these crazy Bitcoin people. So, so I don't know. There <laughs> there are challenges. Like I I I'm not entirely sure like what their supply chain fix would look like, and I don't even know what the demand is going to look like this year because I wonder if it's gonna if it's gonna remain that high if things will change if people are coming out of lockdown and stuff like that. I love how much you've thought about this. I know. <laughs> thought, about this. I thought about it a little too much. Is there a big resale market? <laughs> oh yeah, there is. What I mean, I think they're teenagers, but what these like scalpers do, they're scalpers. What they do is they they buy up these cards with their bots, you know, for six hundred dollars, five hundred dollars a piece real fast. And you know, a couple months later they'll sell for like twelve hundred or like twenty four hundred, you know, like multiple thousand dollars and they just make, you know, make easy money that way. So it's a uh, yeah, it's prime for scalping. <laughs> it's like somebody's going to college off of uh, video cards. <laughs> yeah, video video card fund. Yeah, for Seriously. school. David, that's um, a great problem. I think it's uh, I I like that it's like it personally affects you, but it actually is something <laughs> that is probably affecting lots of people. And I think the bot problem being solved is probably something that would fix a lot more than just video card shortages. I know personally, I like uh, Jordan sneakers and Nikes generally, and there's a botting <laughs> yeah. problem with people uh, buying the shoes as soon as they come out, oh, like no almost like they're they're gone immediately. So um, I would love to see the botting problem solved as well. You know, that stinks because I was thinking maybe we just need some version of like 3D glasses where if the, you know, video card is really weak, they just send everyone, you know, a special pair of like high def, beautiful VR glasses glasses (laughs) that they can all wear. It's like real cheap and easy, just quick, Mm. quick fix for 2022. But those would get botted too. Yeah. Real lo-fi fix. A consolation prize. We also reached out to hosts of our fellow Pushkin shows for their ideas on problems they'd like to see solved in whatever frame of time they chose. Here's our first one. I'm Michael Lewis, host of Against the Rules, and the major problem in the world that I would like to see solved is baseball. How do you make it less boring? It's got an aging fan base, declining ratings, and the games keep getting longer and longer. I have thoughts about how to solve it. I mean, you could do it in a stroke by, say, like putting a lion on the field. Like not one of those lazy zoo lions, but a lion from the savannah. It would get interesting instantly. Everybody would watch that. And it's very Roman. It would be a very Roman solution to the problem. Um, You could turn the the stadium into a casino uh, where the fans, it's, it's ideally suited as a game to bet on everything that happens because there's so little action and there's so much time between the action. So that'd be another way to solve it. I don't think that the little things that baseball is thinking about doing around the edges, making the bases a little bigger so they're easier to steal and moving the pitcher back and all that stuff, I don't think that's going to address the fundamental problem. I think that the game is out of step with the age we live in. And so figuring out how to change it in a way that preserves it, but interests people, is going to be very hard. And if you can figure that out, climate change is a breeze. That was Michael Lewis, host of Against the Rules, our sister podcast here at Pushkin. What do you guys think? Is baseball too boring? I mean, baseball is definitely boring. I don't think it's too boring. The, the <laughs> How boring baseball is is what I love about it. It is such a intensely psychological sport because there's just so much standing around and so much 
that happens when, you know, you're standing at the base and your opponent is standing right next to you and they like joke around, but also are adversarial. Um, I don't know. I think baseball is just boring enough. <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> passive aggressive chumminess. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like in baseball. And then, and then there's also outright like brawls, I guess, when like they clear the dugouts or whatever. But that, that's rare. Being there live makes it a lot less boring, but watching it on television, there's little entertainment value. And then most of the fights happen all when uh, there's unwritten rules that are broken. And I am not a fan <laughs> of unwritten rules. And baseball <laughs> leans heavily into uh, into unwritten oh, rules, yeah? which there's a, a, a big debate about that as well. Jocelyn, what do you think? I mean, I'm with you in terms of like watching it versus watching it in person versus watching it on TV. I, I don't think I've ever watched a whole baseball game on TV. The psychological challenge is not just for the players on the field, it's for the audience too. We have like, yeah. you know, how how much consumerism will we fall prey to? How much unnecessary snacking? How many times will we get up and stretch? <laughs> will we accidentally clap just because something happened and not because it's the team we're looking for to win? But I, I actually think I love organized sports. I think they're really fun. I love team sports, especially. It makes me... And it makes me think about like how much fun I had playing them when I was a kid and still when I play them now. And but I um I do think it's boring and I do think that they could probably pick it up. Like, does it need to be that many innings? I think that's the easy fix. Like, just make it fewer innings. Like little league? I think it should just <laughs> yeah. they should just make it one inning. One <laughs> inning. That's it. I think the only pushback I have to you, Jocelyn, is that unnecessary snacking is an oxymoron. Mm. Um, mm. All snacking is necessary, <laughs> so I don't like the way you put that at all. It feels very judgy. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's funny to hear Michael Lewis, uh, the author of one of my favorite books of all time, Moneyball, call baseball boring. Yeah, Moneyball totally blew my mind. It's incredible. Yeah, like yeah. how do you? Oh, I saw the movie. Parts. Chess is theoretically satisfying, but uh, <laughs> the action of chess, moment to moment, can be very slow. That's why speed chess is awesome, and that's why people stream yeah. that, because it forces you to fight. Michael suggested putting a lion in the field, so I think <laughs> I think changing the rules of baseball to make it a little more fast-paced, maybe a little more like score-heavy, like basketball or hockey or something. Or just Watch in- it on double speed. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the that's the answer. I, I I don't know. You need to you might need to change the rules. I feel like you guys stumbled onto something that about baseball though, which is that like the more you know about baseball, the more interesting it is. It's fun if I know what's happening, but when I don't, I'm like I I don't care until I hear the crack of the bat. So I think mm-hmm. if they could find a way to solve that, the line on the field, I think would solve that. <laughs> yeah, I think running. it's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. So Jocelyn, um, tell me what problem did you bring to us today? I feel like Michael Lewis kind of threw it down when he said, like, if we can solve baseball, then climate change is easy. Climate change is so huge. And we talked about this several different ways on the show. Like there's ways we can break it down into smaller parts. So one of the small parts that I feel like I would love to see solved is emissions from planes. Why can't planes be electric? If we're putting all this energy into electric cars, but we know that planes gobble up way more fuel than cars, although there are more cars on the road and cumulatively cars are more responsible for overall CO2, I'd still really love to see planes Maybe it's just personal interest because I love flying and visiting people and exploring the world. And I don't want to feel terrible about that all the time. So Mm -hmm. I admit that it's self-interest, but um, it's also global interest. I feel like electric planes, I'd love to see that happen. I feel hesitant about electric planes because I feel like the potential for them to drop out of the sky (laughs) is just, I I don't know why. Just in my head, I'm like, well, what if it runs out? I can't even keep my phone charged. So the idea of it falling out of the sky uh, bothers me. But I will say, uh, while you were talking, I was like, well, maybe a hybrid plane then, that would definitely cut down um, some emissions, like using both uh, electrical elements and fuel elements. Yeah, yeah. Or like if things get bad, you could all, everyone could just plug their own phone into their individual charger and give the plane like a little extra boost. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. I am never getting on an electric plane. I will tell you guys, in no uncertain terms, I am never boarding an electric plane. Oh, man. Or maybe when I'm like 100 years old. But I do see the seriousness that you see in the issue. Yeah, I think the safety issue is definitely legit and it's going to take some time before that's a norm and people feel comfortable doing that. But I think like Jocelyn, I think you touch on something that's like really true and resonant in that like, People are more willing to like sacrifice their car on day to day because it's like, oh, that's that's like whatever. I can find ways around that. But when it comes to like visiting family or going to see something far away or see like a, a wonder you've always wanted to see, like paying for that fuel is like almost always worth it psychologically. Mm-hmm. And it's like people are more willing to get on that 
gas guzzling plane, you know, versus like maybe cutting out a couple commute trips in their car every week. So I think there should be more attention paid to that. And I think you have a good point. Thanks. I mean, planes, I think it's estimated they, they're responsible for about 3% of the CO2. So, you know, we're not fixing climate change with this one, but mm-hmm. they're more efficient per person, I think, than cars because you can put a lot of people on one plane. So we could all work from home and then save up our carbon <laughs> uh, carbon credits for <laughs> yeah. the seven wonders of the world and oh, our family. God. Not in that order, mom. <laughs> I think carbon credits is a, I think somebody heard that and their ears perked up in terms of a solution. Good. Uh, I love that. There for us building up. Uh, so let, with that, let's hear from another one of our Pushkin hosts about one of the problems they'd like to see solved. Hi, I'm Dr. Lori Santos. I'm the host of the Happiness Lab podcast. And what I would like to see solved is behavior change. So many of the big problems that face us right now, things like climate change and the addiction crisis and even political polarization, they're problems of human behavior. This is true for lots of the tiny problems we face, too, like the fact that it's tricky for me to get up and exercise in the morning or the fact that I don't get enough sleep. What we know from the social science is that behavior change is hard. We need great solutions to figure out how it works. And so that's the big problem I'd love to see solved. Sasha, do you struggle with changing your behavior? Um, calling out the yeah, boss. Um, that's an interesting question. I I do and I don't. I'm like very structured and formulaic once I have a behavior in place, creature of habit, but I am open to new habits. Um, you got any? Anything I need to course correct on? This is a safe space. No, not at all. <laughs> what if that was a lead in to be like, ah, I, <laughs> like think, I think I'd like to see yeah. you change. <laughs> For me, actually, it's more, uh, I think the challenge is more building positive habits. Like when I, like when it's been a few months since I've seriously exercised or whatever, and like trying to just, just jog a little bit every day. That's hard. And I can read all like the self-help and watch all the motivational videos I want. But I feel like at the end of the day, it's just like this, you have to flip this switch inside yourself and like go and do it. And I think that's really hard. Lori's talking about like fixing human behavior. There's a lot of bad behavior out there that I wonder if as external regulators, we can really fix. And if there are, if those people even want to fix their own bad behavior, I just wonder to what extent we can actually modify how people act at all. It makes me think of that episode we did with Brie Compost. Actually, I think about that episode a lot. She was talking about health at every size and the ways that we decide what's good and bad Mm -hmm. and thinking about how scarcity plays into it. She was talking about, you know, foods that we say we can only have a little bit or we can have a lot of this, but only a little of that. But I think the same thing could go for all sorts of behaviors that we qualify as good and bad. Of course, there are some that are like clearly bad, you know, like murder a little bit is not okay. (laughs) But, you know, how desperately we have to buy a present and then we put all this pressure on ourselves to like have a certain job and work a certain lifestyle and da 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 and it becomes this negative cycle. Whereas like if we could frame it as like, I'll give her a hug and that will be really meaningful, Mm -hmm. then we remove all those other layers of pressure that lead us to do something stupid and bad, quote unquote. 
Thank you for absolving me of finishing my Christmas shopping, Jocelyn. <laughs> I'm going to take your lead on this and just give everyone a hug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sasha, while I have you, why don't you tell me what your problem is? My problem is everyone's problem. Um, and I think that we are behaving badly in America as a democratic nation, and specifically the one that touts itself as the most democratic nation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're really failing to uphold that promise. So what I would like to see is a really concerted effort to save voting rights in this country, to really reestablish us as an actual functional democracy uh, in the truest sense of the word. So I know like Voting doesn't solve everything, um, but it is, Mm. you know, one of the best tools that we have to at least try and solve things. So I would like to see the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act passed by Congress, who we voted for and who in some ways seem to have forgotten that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, voting is the basic building block of democracy. And it seems like people in power are really taking steps in order to retain power, which erodes the basic building blocks of democracy. And I think if we don't fix that, I don't know what shape we're going to be in in the years to come, because we already see changes that are happening now as a result of that erosion of the basic building blocks. I mean, I think we can all... Imagine what sort of shape we're going to be in. We were very close to being in this shape earlier this year, even. Um, And I just hope that everyone takes as seriously as they need to the, the threat that we saw this year around the conversation of stolen elections and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the big lie. Yeah. I'm not super confident that this is going to solve itself without a concerted effort on on behalf of the people who believe that we need to fix this by the next election. Now, our next host has uh, something that I would say that is rights adjacent, or if not right aligned with rights. So let's hear from him about the problem he'd like to see solved. I'm Justin Richmond, host of Broken Record from Pushkin Industries. I would love to see the policing problem solved. And I know this is a hard, multifaceted problem with what would probably need to be a multi-pronged approach to completely fix the system as it stands. But I think one of the things that really needs to change is police culture. How do you change the culture? By enriching the hiring pool. It should not be an anomaly for, say, a 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old recent college graduate with a liberal arts degree to go into policing. But how do you encourage that? a federal program where you subsidize up to 50% of this person's salary so that they make 50% more than someone starting that position would without a college degree. I think an influx of this type of person could go a long way towards changing police culture, maybe. I love that he has this type of proposed solution. Like, I love this idea because it means that he spent some time thinking about it. And I think people's knee-jerk reaction is to look at something like this and immediately poke the holes in it. But the truth is, policing in the state that it's in right now in the United States, it needs serious reform. And these are the types of ideas that we need in order to actually make the improvements that we need to see. Uh, David, what do you think? I think he has a really good point about changing the hiring pool for American policing. You know, in other countries, particularly in Europe, 
people have to go through a rigorous academic collegiate process and and get advanced degrees. Yeah. And joining the police force uh, maybe is thought of as something a little more prestigious than it is the way it's thought of in this country. Mm -hmm. But I think the sort of militarization of the way we treat our cops and the way we militarily police certain people in this country incentivizes this sort of lowest common denominator recruiting method that brings in people who are willing to tow the, you know, military industrial policing line. And that is a cultural problem. And that's not going to change unless, Mm -hmm. ironically, unless we start thinking of and treating our, our cops in a different way, maybe less as, I don't know, dogs of the state and more like more like legal workers or, or attorneys or something like that. So I think he has a point there. I agree. I I have mixed feelings about higher education and and whether everyone needs to go to college to have like a successful career or be seen as a success in our culture. So I hesitate a little bit to feel like, you know, policing or any job has to require a college degree, which is then more expensive. But I do like the idea of varying the training and thinking about different ways to think about and teach civic engagement, civic enforcement, like connection to community, what we owe each other, how to manage when people are struggling in those systems and acting out because of those challenges. So I hesitate on the academic side, but but I like the the reframing side. I, I got to back David slash Justin on this one because I feel like we would never make that type of argument about doctors or lawyers or like dentists or people that like really need extensive training in order to enact the the duties that they actually do. And when you walk into a dentist, and there are bad dentists, bad doctors, and bad lawyers, we know that. But we like protect the quality and the integrity of those roles by requiring more from them academically. I think there needs to be an academic requirement and an intelligence requirement. And I think there has to be a standard and a bar to actually be a cop. I think the idea of just wanting to do it or, you know, just having the aptitude to be a cop is should not be enough to actually well, uh, I don't think I said officer. you just want to be the cop to yeah, do it. You, Let me clarify. Is... <laughs> that, that sounded like I was just like, just no, raise no, no, your hand, you. you're a yeah. cop. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah but... I, I'm going to back Jocelyn here. Um, not that I, I wasn't even sure we were taking sides, but if we are, I'm taking <laughs> Jocelyn's side. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong, Ronald. Like, if you want to be a doctor, you have to go to med school. Like, if you want to be a cop, you have to go to cop school. That's not what they call it. Um, Police Academy, like the movies. (laughs) Like, this does exist, and I think for good reason, like you said. But I really like what David hit on at the end, which is that, like, reevaluating and repositioning the role that cops play in communities will attract a different type of applicant. You know, you're you're just going to attract a different type of person with with different messaging. So I, I think, yeah, I'm with Jocelyn that it's less about, you know, what college you go to or what degree you have and just more about what, how cops exist uh, in America right now. I think I agree with that, but I will say like police academy is like a max two to three months. And is I feel really? like, yeah, you go to med school for four years, you go to law school for two to two to three years. That's where I feel like it's lacking because- Got it. In, in cases of when we're talking about collegiate education, because I feel like you could be conflicted on collegiate edu- education, but I feel like the trade-off is then to say, who do you want to be a police officer? And I feel like for me, it, it at the bare minimum, if it is going to be police academy that's in a non-collegiate setting, I mean, I need them to have like 
six months of emotional intelligence training, six months of implicit bias training. Like, and then before they even touch a gun, you got to get this certificate. And then it's right. like, now you can touch a gun. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that, that kind of plays into what I was thinking in terms of the education piece too, is that you don't go see a doctor for everything that's bothering you. Sometimes you see a, a PA or a nurse or mm-hmm. some other specialist. And I think the same should go for police. Like, yeah, maybe certain branches of police should have more understanding of like the human mind and maybe they're all called cops, but they have different styles of training and different areas of expertise. So they're more on the lines of social workers and community intervention specialists and nonviolent communication experts and neighborhood watch teams and that they're all part of a public safety team. Like, I don't think every cop needs to be a surgeon. We need more PAs and nurses in police care. But I mean, PA school is two to three years. Nursing school is two. Like, if we're talking about an education, there's going to be an educational and a multi-year educational component to any of the any of the roles that you just listed. All right. I'm, I'll get on board with upping everyone's baseline human relational quotient or what's that called when people can like <laughs> emotional intelligence. Yeah. yeah. If they come up with some agreement on what the baseline is, but they'd certainly need that same two years of, like you said, HRQ before you could even hold the gun, step foot out there. Yeah, that's right. You coined that. <laughs> you coined <laughs> that acronym. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, let's, let's end on a lighthearted note. I have a problem. Uh, that, okay, obviously. Yeah, have fun with that, everyone. <laughs> I have many problems. The problem that I brought to you today is uh, pretty light, and it's kind of half-solved, but I don't think it's solved to death, and it really bothers me. We've been in pandemic for nearly two years now. You know, we've baked remotely. We've done things on Zoom. You know, we've stood across the room. We've touched the glass on either side of our windows to see our loved ones drive by birthday parties. We've done all of that. With all this technology, and maybe this is due to the graphic video card shortage, David, (laughs) I don't understand how we have not come up with an effective and stable way, universal way, for all of us to watch the same thing together at the same time. And when I say that, I want to sit down on my couch and I want to watch a movie with David on my home television at the same time he's watching it with no latency speeds, none of that in between. I want to be able to watch and react at the same time like he's in the room with me. Now, I know people are going to tell me a bunch of apps, like there's Watch Party and you could do it on Discord, that type of thing. What I'm saying is there's no way for me to just turn my TV on and do it as simply as I could stream stuff by myself. And the options a lot of times are not embedded in the actual streaming apps themselves. Like, for instance, if you look at something like Disney+, Plus, they have some options for you to watch together but then you might be only able to do it on an iPad, not on your television, not on your laptop. I've thought about this a lot. Mm. They have a lot of different varying degrees of this, but there's not one universal way for all of us to do it unless we just turn on cable television, then we can yell at each other on the phone. So clearly there is a way for this to exist, but it seems like in the streaming age, we have not truly solved a way for us to be watching things together. And I thought that by now, month umpteen of the global pandemic, that we would have figured it out, that I'd be sitting down and being like, hey, y'all want to watch this movie? Hey, let's let's watch it at this time or whatever, you know? Uh, and that's what I'd like to see solved. 
I think this is the perfect time to shout out a solvable episode that we did called Remote Music Collaboration Online in Real Time is Solvable. Because they, <laughs> <I like it. laughs> all the musicians and ensembles were feeling that so intensely and probably most of them continue to. And like you said, there's these small niche fixes that people have figured out. And we actually talked about one of those awesome solutions on our show um, before you were host. But so, you know. We don't shout out shows that, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All solvable there is solvable. There was no show before he was host. <laughs> I don't know this time um, you speak <laughs> It was a really inspiring episode because it made it feel like those latency issues could be solved. Mm-hmm. I will say in my friend group, I am the most annoying person about this. <laughs> I like, I have such rules about like, if you miss the cue to start the movie, you're like out of the group text. Like <laughs> I like send everyone a link. I'm not even kidding. I send everyone a link to the world clock website. And I'm like, when this <laughs> says time, like you better be queued up to zero, 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 zero. Sasha has like, solved it. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and I've lost all my friends <laughs> along the way. Um, I am so, so you saw the World Club website by yourself. 11-11, it's going to be amazing. I know. And it like, it always, it like always goes awry immediately. But I will say, I think about the sort of corollary to this a lot, Ronald, um, mm-hmm. which I don't know, maybe this is another conversation we can have another time, but like, What you said about cable TV is so true. And I think that humanity um, has certainly lost, like we've gained a lot with streaming and this like individualized cultural consumption that we can make. But I think that humanity has lost something by devaluing appointment TV. And like you see it like during the Oscars or like, Basically, yes. like the Oscars, presidential debates, yes. like maybe the Super Bowl, if that's your thing. But yes. there are like so few things now where like the entire world is watching together. If you're on Twitter during the Oscars, everyone is yeah. in conversation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just wish that like appointment TV came back. Seinfeld lost like any of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Lost. So we're recording this on a Monday and yesterday was uh, Sunday was the succession season finale. And no spoilers. I haven't watched it yet. I, Please don't That's say exactly my point. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. where I was going with this is that I can't even like I want to talk about it with people. And I have several friends who are like, I haven't watched it yet. And now I'm like, well, you're on the clock. Because I want to talk about it with you. And I can't have this moment because you're out here being like, I can't sit down at nine o'clock on Sunday nights and watch this show that we all need to be watching Guilty. at the same time. So, yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I would love the return of Appointment TV. We've seen some of it with uh, shows like Insecure, shows like Succession. Mm-hmm. People are still watching those in bulk. But I now, because of people's schedules, we're separating them. And I think there needs to be maybe another way for us to just be able to be like, all right, we're not going to watch it on Sunday, but we've created some sort of link together where we can all watch it on our televisions, like in the <laughs> in our most comfortable settings in our own homes. So yeah, well, that's my I'm problem. with you. <laughs> yeah, I will invest in whatever app you're building for TV co-op. It's called ronhasproblems.com. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you guys joining me today. This has been a great and fun conversation. Thanks, Ronald. Yeah. Thanks, Ronald. Thanks for getting us together in real time to do the same thing. <laughs> yes, this is not real yeah, time. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> Solvable listeners, what are the problems you'd like us to solve in 2022? Tweet us at Pushkin Pods and use the hashtag solvable. 
We'll be away for a couple of weeks, but back at you in 2022 with fresh episodes of Solvable. Solvable is produced by Jocelyn Frank. Research by David Ja. Booking by Lisa Dunn. Editing help from Kishelle Williams. Very special thanks to Maggie Taylor and our fellow Pushkin hosts. Our managing producer is Sasha Mathias, and our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. I'm Ronald Young Jr. Thanks for listening. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today.